You may have heard the term financial planning, but aren't entirely sure what it is. Well, stick around because I'm about to explain it in this, the 76th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Hello again, everybody. So we meet once more. Thank you for listening as always. Today I'm going to talk about what is financial planning. It's a very broad, very generic, very nebulous term that is thrown around a lot um, with, with often not a lot of clarity or meaning around it. So I'm going to break down as best I can what exactly it is, what it isn't, etc. This episode was prompted by another advisor I saw make a post on LinkedIn. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn, where this person is often has a lot of cool things and engaging things to say, but oftentimes will just stir the pot. Clearly, we'll, we'll make or, or, or say something controversial just to kind of, uh, who knows, you know, get get some followers, get some likes, get some traction on his post. But he had one that basically said, um, you know, kind of calling out anyone who uses the term, any advisor who uses the term financial planning, saying, do you even really know what it is? You can't describe it. So don't don't throw it around in front of consumers. And to some extent, it, it's it's a fair point. But it was a little heavy handed to go that far and basically say, don't use it. Uh, I think the stepping back, it's important to know what it is, what it isn't. Hence the reason why I'm doing this episode. But, you know, to go so far as to say it's like a gimmick or, uh, well, you know, slight hand, I forget the term he used, but basically like, you know, claimed he was looking down upon people who, who use the term and said you shouldn't. So I was like, yeah, that's not entirely accurate. So let's uh, get into it. The part of the problem is the word or the term financial planning isn't a defined term. There's there's no uh, black and white set of offerings, what it is, what it isn't. There isn't any regulatory body that governs or oversees the term financial planning or the services that may or may not be considered financial planning. Financial planning is really just indirectly regulated by virtue of someone in the financial services industry having regulations to do or, or provide something specific. What I mean by that is if you go back and listen to episode 73 of this podcast, where I talked about the F word fiduciary, I, I dug much more into detail about there, there's three distinct forms of regulations in the financial services industry. One is around those who manage investments and are investment advisors and managing investments is when someone picks and chooses which stocks, bonds, mutual funds to, to buy for you on your behalf and your accounts, when to sell them, when to rebalance them, et cetera, that's investment advisors. There's security salespeople. They don't really exist. So I mean, they're still there, but not nearly as prevalent as they were decades ago in, in, in the pure sense. This is like just traditional stockbrokers. They'll, they'll call you up out of the blue, try to sell you some hot stock. They get a commission on selling you that stock or wherever that security is. And that's kind of it. There isn't really anything else that comes along with it. Now, these are tainted views, but traditional stockbrokers are like Wolf of Wall Street. If you saw that movie. Now, granted, that guy was an outright criminal selling fake things, but that, that's a gist. People who, who sold job it is just to sell you some investment or like that movie Boiler Room from the late 90s, which was about a bunch of young folks at one of these chop shop cold call, you know, brokers where they were just pump and dump and call up random people to sell them stocks and, you know, get a commission on whatever. That's security salespeople. And there's insurance salespeople, those who sell 
life insurance products or annuities, for example. So those are the three forms of regulation. Those that manage investments, those that sell securities, those that sell insurance. If you notice, none of those are about the, the broader giving of general financial advice. And then there's actually a fourth kind, which aren't regulated at all. And these are financial coaches. And the term coach, all, all these terms for that matter, there, there's really no usage restrictions around the terms people use, the names they give themselves. But you know, financial coaches aren't able, they don't have any licenses or registrations. They, they can't manage investments for you. They can't sell securities. They can't sell insurance. They just kind of can give you general guidance around financial things. And I'll talk on talk about some of those things. So where it gets confusing is each of the, the things all these people do, investment advisors, security salespeople, insurance salespeople, part of what they sell and offer is all part of financial planning because the term financial planning is that broad. The, the best and closest thing I've found to a sort of formal definition comes from the CFP board. So CFP board... That's the organization that oversees and administers and then uh, you know, the CFP program, which is Certified Financial Planner. It is the closest thing the industry has to a, I don't know, I'm not going to say gold standard, but like a benchmark of voluntary designation around education and credentialing and uh, testing and continuing education for those that want to do financial planner. Those that, that take the education, pass the test, pass a background check and pass, you know, and do ongoing continuing education every, every couple of years, they can become a CFP or certified financial planner. So the CFP board, again, just the one that oversees that. So their definition of financial planning is this start quote, financial planning involves looking at a client's entire financial picture and advising them on how to achieve their short and long-term financial goals from saving for education and planning for retirement to effectively managing taxes and insurance Financial planners develop valuable relationships with their clients to provide them with confidence today and more secure tomorrow, end quote. So that's what financial planning is. Hugely, hugely broad, right? In case you haven't figured that out. So, so going back to that post I saw on LinkedIn, some other advisor kind of said it's like a cop-out to use the term financial planning because what does it actually mean? Well, it means everything. I mean, it means nothing and everything at the same time. Basically, any any guidance, any advice, any, any words of wisdom that involve any aspect of someone's financial life is arguably financial planning. So that could be anything, like, like virtually anything, right? So the term financial planning has gotten more used in advertising and um, you know business development because people realize in, in the various industries, you know, investment advisors, security salespeople, insurance salespeople, that simply managing investments or simply selling securities or simply selling insurance is is quite limited in what it does, and and people you kind of want and need to provide more than that in many cases to to get uh, you know to attract and keep clients. So they start offering more, albeit tangentially, you know, just sort of bolted on. They start offering financial planning, or at least some elements of financial planning. Some do very little financial planning, some some do a lot, and some do everything in between. But uh, that's sort of where financial planning kind of stems from. Well, actually, stepping back a little more. To my knowledge, I don't, I don't remember where I read this, but to my knowledge, the the giving of financial advice really spawned from insurance sales. Like back in the day, I don't know, 40s, 50s, I can be off by a few decades, but it was common to sell life insurance door to door. You know, salespeople would, would, would literally go down the street, knocking on each door. Um, I don't I don't mean this to, to sound uh, sexist or anything, but this is my understanding what used to happen. The salesperson person would uh, generally, you know, uh, keep in mind this is 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, would ask to speak to the man of the house because uh, typically it was it was the man who was predominantly or solely the, the breadwinner, and the, the pitch would go, "Hey, if you love your family, 
you need to buy life insurance because what if you die tomorrow or next year or whatever, your your wages stop, your income stops, your family's left with nothing financially. So it's a, it a relatively easy sale from understand just to kind of pull on the, the heartstrings of, you know, if you love your family, you buy this insurance. And so that was more or less the pitch or, or so I'm told, you know, decades ago. And then that, that only goes so far. You can only sell so much that way. Um, from, from my understanding, and I, again, I read this, I heard this somewhere. It, it evolved. It evolved to when you go into door-to-door selling insurance, you, you, you kind of need more angles into the person's life and into the client's life to, to find other ways to potentially sell them things. And so you'd start asking about like college. You start asking about, I don't know, saving for retirement or whatever. And then, you know, if you have products or services that, that can help meet or, or help the client achieve whatever their goals or concerns were, then this financial planning, this finding out more about the person's financial life and giving you know guidance on it was a way to sell more product. Um, so so that that's sort of where financial planning came from. Again, that's my understanding of the history. I'm sure there's lots of people have other different versions of this history, but that, that that's w- what what I was uh, taught, if you will. So all the way back then, financial planning wasn't its own thing and still isn't its own standalone service offering. It, it's really just for the most part tacked on to some other primary offering like managed investments, like selling securities, like the good old fashioned stockbrokers, or like uh, selling insurance. Anyway, so so what what is actually financial planning? I mean, I gave you the broad definition. I, the best way to probably think about this is let me give you some actual examples of things that could be financial planning. It should be a pretty short episode, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, um, and then I'll, I'll wrap up with kind of like how, where you can go, what you should keep in mind when you're trying to find someone who offers financial planning. So uh, some examples of financial planning, like I said, it could be anything. Uh, anything that even remotely related to your finances and your financial life. But here's here's some typical examples. Help around cash flow and budgeting. Simple like, you know, helping you set, okay, I bring in X amount of dollars a month. My expenses are Y amount of dollars a month. How can I help manage X and Y, right? So so I don't overspend, for example. Maybe you can f- help me find ways to increase my income or decrease my expenses. You know, that that's general budgeting and cash flow is simply all the comings and goings of cash in your life from whatever the sources may be. Uh, anything involving anything, you know, around those two is, is financial planning. Now, you can make the argument that basically all parts of your life are, are going to have some sort of impact in your cash flow and budgeting. So therefore, all parts of your life are potentially subject to financial planning, which, you know, makes this whole concept incredibly broad. So anyway, so cash flow and budgeting is sort of one subset, if you will, of financial planning. Another is around things like saving for education. So you have kids or you are saving for your own college, for example, or higher education. What's the best way to save for it? How much did you save? Again, that ties into like cash flow and budgeting, you know, how much money to divert each month to, to these savings goals. Through what uh, avenue is best to save? Do you open like a 529 college savings plan? Do you just save in a regular brokerage account? Do you rely on um, and help help people plan for optimizing scholarships and grants and stuff like that? This all is wrapped under the broader education subset of financial planning. Retirement planning is another kind of broader subset. And this, for those of you who listen to this podcast, you know how vastly big retirement planning is and how many angles there are. Again, cash flow and budgeting, right? Especially if you're in your working year still. How much should you be saving slash budgeting slash cash flowing towards your retirement savings? That's retirement planning. What investment allocations, what investment products 
could you, should you use, whether you're saving for retirement in retirement, that's retirement planning. Uh, for those of you who are working, or even if you're not, how best, what vehicles to save? Do you use your employer's 401k or 403b or whatever, or instead do you use a regular brokerage account or um, you know a Roth account of some sort? This is all retirement planning. There's certain insurance products that, that do have a investment-like component to it that you can use. Uh, insurance will always first and foremost be for the sake of the death benefit, linear life insurance at least, but you can have ancillary benefits from certain types of insurance policies that could dovetail into the broader retirement planning spectrum. Things like social security, when to take social security, uh, that's retirement planning. If you have a pension, do you take a traditional you know, monthly pension or lump sum? That's all part of retirement planning, which is again, a bigger you know, a part of the broader financial planning. Housing decisions are part of financial planning. Uh, young couples looking to save for a house. There's that old cash flow and budgeting thing again. How much could you, should you be saving for the house? Considerations around when to move, where should you move? How to, do you buy, do you rent? Uh, if you do buy, do you finance it? You know, get a mortgage, if so, for how much? This is all financial planning. Help around other forms of insurance. I sort of touched on life insurance, specifically in context of using it toward, um, you know, broader retirement planning. But outside of just that, insurance is huge. There's lots of different types of insurance that can do different things. Property and casualty insurance. This is like homeowners insurance, auto insurance life insurance do you get term insurance do you get cash value permanent insurance that, that typically costs more but lasts longer and has the ability to accrue and build up a cash value you can uh distribute out or borrow against medicare insurance you know those that are 65 or older almost certainly will be on medicare shopping around for that knowing the implications around that disability insurance for those that are still working uh, you know the risk that you 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 get hurt or something and can no longer work or work for less less income, do you need to replace some or all of that income? That's disability insurance. All these various forms of insurance, uh, th that's all financial planning, discussing what types you need, how much you need, what specific bells and whistles and riders and types do you need? That's all a subset of financial planning. And then tax, everything tax related uh, is, is part of financial planning. I did, a, I did an episode, I don't remember the number, but what is tax planning was the name of the episode. That Tax planning is basically any sort of planning or advice or guidance that has any sort of involvement in the tax implications of someone's life. That's tax planning. And guess what? Tax planning rolls up into the broader umbrella of financial planning. So tax planning could be things like if you're saving for uh, investments or whatever, con contributions to pre-tax accounts, right? Do you, do you contribute to your traditional IRA or 401k or do you instead contribute to a Roth type account or both? Uh, charitable donations, what's the most tax efficient way to donate money? if you are charitably inclined. Going back to like education funding, there's tax planning, tax implications to that, whether you save money in a 529 plan or um, uh, your regular taxable brokerage account or something. Paying for a house, I mentioned the house decision is part of financial planning. Well, there's tax implications to that. If you buy, do you get a mortgage? If so, what's the interest rate? You know, that, that the mortgage interest could be potentially deductible on your tax return, hence there's tax implications to it. Paying for medical expenses, similar sort of concept. You could, uh, there, there's some tax planning strategies where if you have the ability to time when certain medical expenses happen, like you got a big procedure coming up and it's elective, you can maybe defer it to the next year so you can have larger medical expenses next year than this year. So you can hopefully uh, get the tax benefit of being able to itemize some or all those medical expenses to reduce your tax bill next year. And then investing, there's all sorts of tax angles to investing tax efficiently between what types of 
products or things you invest in to which account types you use and which products go into which account type. That's all part of tax planning. So as you can see, financial planning is indeed a very, very, very broad term and doesn't really mean much. It, it could literally be anything involving any part of someone's life that has financial implications, which you can you can basically tick and tie and affect everything about someone's life to, to some sort of financial um, you know, consequence or, or implication. So, so therefore financial planning is, is, is super, super broad and could be anything. So it may not really help to define what financial planning is, but the purpose of this podcast was just to show you how broad it can be and give examples of all the things that, that may roll up under it. So don't worry so much about the succinct universal definition of what financial planning is, because as you can tell, it's, it's, it's really everything for better or worse. What matters more so is, is know what you are looking for from financial guidance, advice, financial planning, um, know who offers it, know how experienced or specialized that person is in, in offering what exactly you're looking for and how biased they may be in offering it based on, you know, bringing it back to people in financial services are regulated in one of three ways. They either manage investments, they sell securities, or they sell insurance products. Or the fourth way is they're coaches, in which case they're not regulated at all. It's just, you know, more or less just some, some person down the road who's... Uh, willing to give you advice for money, basically, but can't can't sell you products and can't manage your investments for you. So um, if, you, if you do have financial guidance, wants and needs, don't just say, hey, I'm looking for someone who does financial planning, because that, that means nothing because that's so broad. You have to really, like I said, drill down into what specifically do you want or what do you think you want? I mean, you may not know, which, which could be an issue, but you have to at least start by what do you think you're looking for? What stage of life are you in? What are your goals? You know, what, what what pain points or objectives are you looking to have met? And then start drilling around to find someone who specifically focuses or specializes in that. So here's the best I can do to kind of come up with like how to how to find financial planning for your particular financial planning needs. First, figure out what, what you think you want. You know, what areas of financial planning are important to you? Don't just say you want financial planning. So like the examples I gave, there's financial planning around general cash flow and budgeting, around saving for education around retirement planning, whether you're in or near retirement or you know, longer term planning for retirement, around housing decisions, around insurance decisions, and then around tax, which I, I make the case that tax planning kind of overarches all this stuff because there's tax implications to everything, to cash flow and budgeting, to education saving, to retirement planning, to housing, to to insurance, to, to medical expenses. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm, I'm a tax guy, so I'm a little biased in saying that. But yeah, anyway. Um, so, so you got to do the best you can to come up with what, what you think you want or need, what areas of the financial planning spectrum are important or of the most importance to you. Then you start looking for trying to find someone who, who, who does that and does that well. Next, be aware of the regulatory differences of how different people, uh, uh, what services or products they offer, how they're paid and what, uh, their biases may be. So for example, People who are investment managers, investment advisors, who also offer financial planning, they will almost certainly want or require uh, you to, ha to have them manage your investments for you. Now, that may not be a deal breaker, but just, just keep that in mind. If, if that's the big string attached condition is, oh, yeah, we'll do financial planning, but only if you have at least $500,000 of assets, you can uh, 
uh, have us manage where we'll charge you, you know, whatever the fee may be. Typically, it's a percent, like, you know, 1% of assets. Some, some folks have the, uh, the gusto to charge 1.5% or more on potentially up to a few million dollars, but it's, it's another story for another day. So, you know, know that. Or if you, you think or know you want an insurance product, then you're going to want someone who is uh, insurance licensed and not someone who can only manage investments because they're not going to be any help to you ultimately. And same thing with securities. Now, again, I, I can't really think of a case where someone wants or needs just a security salesperson. Um, there are some products out there, investable products that need to be sold by a, a licensed salesperson. In that case, you, you need that. But there's the vast majority of folks listening to this. I, I can't think of a case where that would be your primary uh, reason or concern is that, hey, I want this particular product. I need someone to sell it to me. Um, not likely. So anyway, so so be aware of that. So just when you are shopping around, you at least know the questions to ask. You can you know, look at their, uh, ask them what licenses or registrations they have, ask what services they provide, what products they sell, how are they compensated? Do they get commission or not? Are they fee only? You know, do, do you, the client, pay in the fee, et cetera? So, so get that squared away in your search. And then know where to search. So here's some, uh, and I'll, I'll have links to these, but here's some networks. Now there's no single source, unfortunately. This is kind of disjointed. There's a few different networks and places to go. There may or may not be some overlap of, of financial people within these different sources, but nonetheless, these are ones that, that I think are uh, could prove helpful. There's something called advice only. Advice only is those that do not require, may not even offer management of investments, and they do not have any licenses to sell you securities or insurance. Um, so these could be coaches, arguably, but for the most part, Recall I said coaches generally aren't registered anywhere. Folks who are quote unquote advice only are typically registered as investment advisors. Again, they may not actually manage investments, but recall that I said financial planning isn't its own regulated standalone offering, at least not in the eyes of, of regulators. It's just sort of bolt on indirectly to the other forms of registration that I mentioned. So for the most part, folks who are advice only will, will, will latch themselves onto the investment advisor registrations as their sort of governing oversight body. Um, so just, just know that again, even if they don't manage investments, they'll likely be regulated as an investment advisor. So if you want folks who are advice only. So those who are just willing to do like hourly work or a one-time financial plan or even ongoing um, planning, financial planning services without, again, management of investments or selling you products, you'd be looking for advice only. There's a relatively new website that a few of my friends made uh, within the last year called adviceonlynetwork.com. It's getting built out, you know, week by week, month by month, there's more folks on it, but this is a list it is, is made by, by those in the industry. This isn't some, some formal, uh, you know, governing body or whatever, but adviceonlynetwork.com is a source where you can find, there's dozens of advisors at this point all over the country who are advice only. So maybe they offer hourly, maybe it's one-time plans, maybe it's ongoing, almost subscription-like services just for financial planning. And again, whatever your financial planning needs may be, look them up, look into their backgrounds, look at their website, see what their specialization is. If you are looking for, um, you know, help with, you got a young family, you want to save for college, you want to buy a house, you, you need guidance around negotiating job offers and stuff. Don't be working with someone, you know, don't, don't hire someone who, whose focus is uh, mostly or exclusively on, you know, those in retirement. Cause that, that's just not a fit and vice versa. Right. If, um, 
if if someone's looking for retirement planning and help around Medicare and Social Security, you probably don't want to work with someone whose focus and or sole area of expertise is working with people in their 20s, right? In, in the, working in the tech industry or whatever it may be. I don't know. So adviceonlynetwork.com for advice only. Um, if, you, if you're looking for investment management and financial planning, there's, there's a few different sources. One is napfa.org. That is Nancy Alpha uh, Peter Francis Alpha.org. NAPFA is the National Association of, uh, man, it's like personal financial advisors or something. It is the nation's largest network of what's called fee-only advisors. Fee-only simply means that the person does not have any licenses to sell you products for commission. Fee-only means they get paid purely from you, the client. Now, fee-only does not mean it's hourly or like uh, one-time one time, uh, financial plan. Fee-only could also mean managed investments where they charge you, you know, 1% of assets or whatever it may be and deduct that fee out of your investments. The point is that fee is still ultimately coming from you. It's not coming from some commissionable product. So it's common, common misconception. People think fee-only means like someone's only hourly. Well, like, no, fee the vast majority of investment advisors out there, not the vast majority per se, but a lot of them are fee-only, even though they, they charge for managing your investments. So napfa.org is one. FeeOnlyNetwork.com is another. GarrettPlanningNetwork.com, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, PlanningNetwork.com. What's what's uh, the common denominator here is everyone in this network offers services hourly. So if you want just hourly, uh, Garrett Planning Network is, is a good spot to look, as is the advice-only network that I mentioned before. But th that's Garrett's whole shtick is, is hourly only. Now, um, many, many times, a lot of the advisors in the Garrett Planning Network will have like an hourly minimum, like, yeah, uh, whatever, I'm 300 bucks an hour, but subject to a 10 hour minimum or five hour minimum. So uh, depending how much you want or need, it, it may not make sense. If you know, if you're just looking, you got one short question, it may not make sense to engage someone there. If you got a 10 hour minimum, where it's going to be a few thousand bucks. And xyplanningnetwork.com, where xy stands for Gen X and Gen Y. So xyplanningnetwork.com. Historically, this was fee only advisors who, uh, who focused on working with folks who are Gen X and Gen Y. Now it's broader than that. It, it's no longer limited to just advisors working with those client types. Like, like uh, it could be those who focus on working with retirees, for example, but they're part of that network simply for the benefits of being in that network, such as discounts on certain technology and uh, services and things. So um, all these networks I just mentioned, they're not proprietary. Like the advisors in these networks don't work for the network, for example. All the advisors in these, these last few sites I mentioned uh, they're all independent folks who have their own businesses. These networks are just voluntary things that the advisors opt into or pay into or, you know, become a member of um, for various reasons, you know, partly to be associated with other uh, folks and networks and partly get found through these through these website search tools and things like that. But these are all independent advisors who who may be on these uh, platforms, which is why I said you may you might find overlap. You, you might find advisor XYZ is in three different of these organizations or if not all of them, possibly. Uh, so, so that's how you find uh, if you're looking for fee only and or those who manage investments and provide planning along with it is, is all these sites I just mentioned. Other than advice only again, which is those who do not manage investments. Uh, if you want insurance products, then there isn't a great search tool I've I've found. Um, you you kind of need to do referrals, you know, find referrals. You have to ask around. You have to ask pointed questions. You have to kind of do your own proprietary research. There are lots of insurance companies out there. Some of them are what's called uh, captive agents, where the people who work for them can sell only the products of that particular company. That's often not ideal. 
uh, you, you it's probably it's usually better to work with someone who's non-captive who can uh, shop around products from different insurers to see which one may be the best fit for you as opposed to being forced to sell you you know only a certain uh, limited number of products from that person's company but point is there's uh, I haven't yet come across a good search tool or network or whatever of um, insurance professionals depending on what type you're looking for actually yeah depending on what type that's really gonna drive the decision as well. So within insurance, there's, there's drastically different kind of subsets. So those that sell life insurance is one group. Those that sell annuities are often the same as life insurance, but not always. Um, that's another group. Like Medicare insurance is its own specialization that's gonna have its own people who do that. Disability insurance, long-term care insurance. Like there's a lot of subspecialties within insurance that they can't just be lumped together. So depending on what type of insurance you want, you're going to have to really hone your research and questions you ask and, you know, referrals you search for. Don't just say, Hey, I want an insurance person. Like, no, if you want long-term care, you need to find a long-term care person. If you want Medicare sup uh, supplements and insurance, you need to find a Medicare specialist. If you want life insurance, you got to find a life insurance person. Now, some of these people may do multiple things, but you know, not, not always. And then finally, uh, which credentials are important? So credentials are like letters after people's names, like CFP I mentioned before, certified financial planner depending on the type of financial planning you think you want or need, certain credentials could be helpful. Now, I wouldn't necessarily let credentials or lack thereof make or break your decision in uh, deciding who to work with or, or not, but they could be complementary. They, they, they could help. For the most part, these credentials are all voluntary, meaning you don't have to have them to, to offer or practice or do anything. You voluntarily get them. And so why do people bother? Why do advisors bother? Well, it's like a, or a few things. It helps you get more education because all these things have some sort of education component. There's continuing education. So in theory, if you're not just jerking around and doing the bare minimum to pass your CE, your continuing education, you should be, uh, you know, in theory, staying fresh or trying to stay fresh on learning and, and uh, topics. Uh, they often have background checks. So at a minimum, you know, it means these people hopefully aren't criminals because there should be a screening process in the background process for uh, having these credentials. So it helps to have them again, not required, but it helps. So as far as uh, designations that, that, that evidence someone has general financial planning knowledge, there, there's three biggies. One is CFP, as I mentioned, Certified Financial Planner. Next one is CHFC, which stands for Charter Financial Consultant. Um, in, in terms of content and, and structure, very similar to CFP, just from a different organization and not nearly as well known as CFP. That's not because CFP is better, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I think it's very comparable to CHFC. CFP is simply more known because um, they do a lot of public marketing and TV commercials and stuff. So like I'm a CFP, for example, and part of my dues goes to pay for the commercials you all see to help get the CFP name out there. doesn't mean CFP is better than CHFC. It's just, it's just different. And it, it's for better or worse, you know, more well-known by, by consumers. There's also one called PFS, which I, I don't even know, I think it's like personal financial specialist or something. This can only be obtained for those that have CPA, certified public accountant. So this is sort of like a, a, a bolt on to that. I'm not that familiar with the PFS, but I, to my knowledge, I think, again, it's, it's content and difficulty and stuff is, is on par with that of the CFP and CHFC. So if you are looking for someone who focuses, you know, um, is more so into financial planning and not just investment management, not just selling insurance, not just selling securities, it would be nice to see them have one of the CFP, PFS, or CHFC. Again, not required, but in my opinion, generally can't hurt. 
Uh, also, depending on the specific subset, uh, and I should mention all three of those things I just mentioned are, are generalist, broad financial planning designations. The curriculum and the testing for those touch on a little bit of everything. You know, budgeting, education planning, retirement planning, tax planning, insurance, estate planning, et cetera. Um, so where I'm going with this next is that if you if you do have a specific focus or area of interest to you, like retirement planning, like taxes, like whatever it may be, there's a whole bunch of other voluntary designations that are kind of uh, specialized in those things. For example, for taxes, there's a CPA, Certified Public Accountant. Uh, there's also the EA, which stands for Enrolled Agent, IRS Enrolled Agent. Those are more so licenses, I guess you'd call them, not really just designations, but um, they, they do evidence that someone has, you know, more than, likely has more than a typical person in terms of uh, tax knowledge and sat through testing and has continuing education requirements and so forth. For investments related, there's CFA and CIMA, C-I-M-A. For retirement related planning, there's RICP and RMA, which stand for Retirement Income Certified Professional and Retirement Management Associate, I think it is. There's even a designation specific to divorce. I think it's called CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and a whole host of other things. Now, a lot of these designations, it's tough to decipher which ones are legit versus which ones are just glorified, like, you know, pay the organization some money and, and get, get this little fancy degree, you know, in the course of a weekend. Um, I did an episode on them before. Uh, see if I can go back and find it. I mean, I know I can find it, but it, it was the episode was about like what are all the letters after financial advisor's name. So, so go back and check that one if you're interested. I'll, I'll plop a link into the show notes. Let me just note that down while I'm here, so I don't forget. Uh, and know these again. These things aren't required. These are voluntary designations. So whether or not someone has one shouldn't be a deal breaker for you. But all else equal, if someone does have one, in theory, it means that they uh, could potentially know more than the average folk that that doesn't. So that's it. That's my kind of rant and ramble on what is financial planning. Hopefully you found this at least mildly helpful. Uh, I felt kind of scattershot, you know, I tried the best I could to put some structure to this, but it is a, a big, broad, wildly, um, lack for words, man, real huge topic with lots of ways it can go. So Anyway, that's that. If, uh, if you do like this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated if you would leave a little review on whatever podcast platform listening, whatever podcast listening platform you use to uh, digest this this show. If you haven't already, check out retirementplanningeducation.com. We can find uh, links and videos to the, the YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Education, which I've kind of since orphaned, but there's still a lot of good old videos on there. The uh, This podcast is on there, as is the Facebook group by the same name, Retirement Planning Education, and a whole bunch of freely downloadable, fun uh, checklists, charts, other, other helpful things are, are all able to be uh, downloaded without having to cough up your name, email, or phone number. Just click download. There you go. Enjoy. All right. That's it. Thank you as always for listening. I'll see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you. Thank you.